Hi, I'm Bill Gaither, and welcome to More Than the Music, a podcast where you can join me for conversations with some of the most interesting people I know. Each episode features a special guest who has inspired me in some way during my 50 years in the music industry. You'll meet incredible artists, writers, and comedians, sports figures, and other folks I'm grateful to call my friends. Join me now for this week's episode of More Than the Music. It's going to be good. This is going to be a lot of fun for me today because uh, here again, uh, when the people talk to me, they say, where in the world do you get all these interesting characters that come into your life? And this is one very interesting character. Uh, Rory Feek, many of you know him from Joey and Rory's show and uh, all the good videos and stuff that we've done together and the music that we've done together. But it's the joy of our business to not only have business associates, but people you just hang with, tell stories, and have a good time. Good to have you, Roy. Good to be here with you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, And you're talking today, now I'm in Indiana, and you're in Nashville because of this wonderful modern technology that I don't have a clue as to how it works. But you are uh, at your farm uh, outside of Columbia Right. And I am. I, when I say it's good to be here with you, I guess here is subjective. Sure. Uh, I'm. I'm in the milk house at my farm, an hour south of Nashville. And I guess you're. Are you there at the studio in Alexandria? Yeah. Indiana? And you've been here uh, many times uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the studio, the Alexandria, uh, Columbia, Tennessee, or Nashville, Tennessee connection with. Uh, Joy and Roy is a very good connection because it goes back even before you came into the picture. In uh, Alexandria High School, uh, Alexandria Monroe High School is where Gloria and I first started teaching English. So when uh, I think first or second year teaching, uh, we had this young cute little cheerleader who had so much energy, June Sparks, and this tall uh, drink of water, uh, Jack Martin, and uh, he loved to play the guitar, and he loved country music, and he was really into the California, what's that sound out there? Uh, The Bakersfield sound. The Bakersfield. Buck Owens and all those, yeah. Buck Owens, and to be honest with you, all of my contact with country music was through Nashville and the country music artists. And I said, so what's different, that much different in the Bakerfield sound? So he proceeded to educate me uh, from a musical perspective. But I got to know him then, and then I got to know him later as as adults. Two wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Yes, they really are. And we reconnected. When this beautiful lady, uh, they had four or five kids, and they were all very talented kids, very bright kids. And I can remember the uh, the brother who was killed in Iraq. He had a boy soprano voice. He, he was really pretty amazing for a young kid. So all those kids were talented. But Joey kind of stood out uh, and uh, started pursuing her music 
And for you who followed the videos, you know the story. She goes to Nashville and she meets this redheaded kid who wears uh, bib overhauls all the time and fell in love with him and uh, started making music together. And uh, then we meet again. And uh, it was a wonderful relationship, wonderful time. So she brought you into our lives, Rory, and that was a wonderful introduction. So I remember the first time um, that I came into your life that I, that I remember, and I, I know it was there in the studio. I was trying to help her have a music career, and you, of course, were a hometown hero to her. And somehow we had a meeting with you in your office there. And so I came walking in the door with Joey and we sat and talked for a long time. And I didn't really know what to expect, but what I loved was you immediately wanted to start talking about songs and not just songs. You wanted to talk about country songs and um, storytelling. And I knew I was I was dealing with someone that uh, was, number one, a, quite a character. Number two, it was like, it, even though you're very well known, or at least I had known of you through the gospel music world and songs, you were really interested in a lot more. And also because you had brought up the baptism of Jesse Taylor, that was one song you talked about that yeah. you loved and yeah. you loved the storytelling. But yeah. another one, the very first conversation we had, you brought up a song called Margie's at the Lincoln Park Inn, <laughs> which really surprised me because this is a song that's challenging. You know, it's, it's, it's about family and, and more. Uh, Tom T. Hall song from years and years ago that Bobby Bear sang. And I knew that song really well, but I loved that we could talk about it and that you could love it and you could love it for the humanity in it, which is a story about this guy who, who's married with children, but, you know, almost out of cigarettes and he's tempted. And, and I, I love that. I was like, oh, I already love this guy. Um, you know, you being able to sit and talk with you and, and uh, that's how we met, which was pretty neat. But well, the beauty of that story is, uh, you know, here is this conflicted human being trying to live this life as well as he could live it, and evidently is having problems in his marriage, and he's got this little boy, and he's helping him fix his bike out in the garage, and, and he's just a good daddy in all kind of ways, except his—and also he teaches class, I think, at the first Methodist church or the Presbyterian. Yeah. I, you know, I forget what it was. Teaches his Sunday school class, and this, this brilliant— country songwriter, Tom T. Hall, with an English major, I think from the University of Texas, weaves this song together. And here, and here this guy is dealing with life stuff and the temptation, the marriage isn't going well, and there's another gal, and you know, somebody always shows up when there's tension. And, uh, and that, that whole line, I'm all out of cigarettes, and Margie's at the Lincoln Park, and I'll, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. And I just said, I, I'd forgotten our conversation. But the point is, I said, boy, country writers are just so honest mm -hmm. when it comes to, 
you know, you know, the real things uh, in life. And I believe very much in the gospel. You know, I've spent my whole life in, in saying that Christ can make a difference, you know, in our lives. And, uh, and I'm sure the guy had made a commitment to Christ. But in yeah. his in, in living life out, he was struggling like crazy. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the country guy dared to talk about it. And it made a great conversation piece for you and me, just the art of the conflict that's going on with, with, with people who live every day. And I think for myself, uh, without even realizing it at the, time, at the time, what probably endeared me to you was I was probably concerned that maybe I didn't have the background to really be having much of a conversation with you. Joey had lived a pretty good life. She wasn't perfect. She made mistakes like everyone does, but, but she had lived well and tried her best to follow Christ well and was continuing to do that. And she married this guy who had quite a past. And, and I, I was just early, still fairly early, really early in my faith when she brought me home. And I met her family. <clears throat> and I was growing, but I was also human. And uh, that was one of, the, one, of, one of the things that made it really special to me in talking to you is I realized that your, that your understanding of uh, the world is incredibly complicated. Not everybody has to have grown up in a squeaky clean life and have everything together. And so I think when we met, number one, that that made it okay to be learning and growing in my faith and in everything else, being, being around you because we were on that same common ground. And then I think through the years, one of the things that I've come to learn is I tend to, like most of my life, I've wanted... I wanted songs and life to be like Hallmark movies where they're always happy in the end. Yes, we go through some difficult times, <laughs> but it's always wrapped up and it always makes complete sense. And I've learned, especially through all of these uh, projects we've done with you and all these interviews we've done through the years, uh, life is not usually that way. It's very, very complicated the the things that you want most to happen don't always happen but it's still okay and i think that's also been kind of a theme that's come through this whole thing with me and and you and joey is just that um it's not a simple story ours wasn't you know when we met that day you basically laid out a very complicated story and we were we didn't know it yet but god was going to give us a very complicated story where we could show that we have tremendous faith and yet we could be human and and have moments of doubt and moments of it just doesn't make any sense. And I think that's kind of neat to go from a song that we talked about and, and how it kind of relates to the way life actually is. Well, the relationship has been a very enriching, you know, in my life and 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 certainly a lot of pain, um, and uh, to find the joy, you know, the joy and the journey in spite of the pain is probably the secret, and and, uh, and I use the word joy rather than fun, because on a given day, this ain't fun. I mean, <laughs> on a given day, it's right. pretty bad, but I still think there's a way to find joy in the journey. I'll never... Uh, 
you know, we did that video there in your barn studio, and that was the day you were going to go back to Atlanta with some pretty good hopes, uh, thinking that they had done some tests and maybe, even though it's cancer and even though you'd been through the first steps with it, that you were going to lick it. And then uh, and then when you went back, you got the, the, the pretty dark news that probably this was going to be terminal. So because of that, and, 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 and I thought it might be interesting to our to the people who are listening uh, today, because of that, you got in your bus and came up to Alexandria and went out about five miles out of town to a beautiful little farmhouse. And, and for those who haven't seen it, it's just, it's just a perfect picture of an Indiana farm with a barn and a, a tool shed, big old oak trees that have been there for years. It's uh, just what you've ever pictured and a place for kids to play out in the uh, probably a, an acre or so of, of, of ground housing the buildings, including the house. But I can remember going out there and uh, your bus was there, maybe another bus even, but a lot of pickup trucks from, from Tennessee, a lot of people there. And I, I asked you that day, I said, if you need some extra housing for all these folks coming from Nashville. Uh, we've got a couple places. We got a uh, we got a guest house, and then we've got a what we call the A frame, and then we got a cabin in the woods. Come look and see if something uh, suits your fancy to house your friends in Nashville. I never forget when you said, uh, "Would you?" How would you feel about us bringing Joey, knowing at that point you could not take her back to Nashville? Or is is, is that true? That um, am I remember that correctly, Rory? Uh, it's it's not that I couldn't. It's that she didn't want to. She wanted to to live the rest of the time there in Indiana, and we had been at her mama's house for the last two months, mm-hmm. um, pretty much all of October and November. Well, half of October and and all of November. And on December 1st, we, this is in 2015, we moved to, to your house right on the, on the creek there. And I had asked you, if this, is, this wouldn't be for our family or friends who are coming up to see us. This would be for me and Joey in Indiana mm-hmm. to move into and live out the remaining time. Because Joey did want to, to live the rest of her time there, and she wanted to be close to her family. Mm-hmm. And honestly, at her mama's house, as idyllic and special as it is, it wasn't it wasn't conducive to what we ideally needed, which was Joey to have some space uh, to be able to be on her own, separate from the rest of the house. And that's what you have there at the Creek House, at an amazing, beautiful picture window that she could lay in her bed sit up and just look out and watch the swans and watch the deer. And and yet it had enough room for us to have people to come over and stay if they wanted to stay or be by ourselves. And we were all together all the time. So 
Yeah, I, I asked you if it'd be okay, and you said, as long as Mama June is okay with it. <laughs> so <laughs> you didn't want to get in between anything like that. I think so, uh, I, I, think, I, I, I think I used the word Mama Bear. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. And you know what? I think it was a blessing for her because she, it was a lot on her. It yeah. was a lot yeah. there in her house yeah. and a lot in her heart. And I think in the end, it was good for her to be able to separate it and be able to come over to your place and visit and be with us and yet come home and be be by herself, whether she's, you know, she's a hard worker, whether she's chopping wood or uh, washing dishes, I, I never just saw, to be by herself. Yeah. I've never seen sh- such energy. Uh, and you have to know, Rory, that um, our love, and when I say our, I mean Gloria and I, our love uh, for both June and Jack, uh, as as kids, as students, was really pretty high. And you know, and I stayed in touch with June. And as her kids came along, I, I can remember her uh, bringing uh, Joey over to the house when she was what a freshman or sophomore in high school. And so I think my little gal's got talent. And uh, first of all, let me say this. June Sparks was a great singer herself. Her mother was a wonderful singer, and a woman, yes, she is, and and, mm-hmm. and and had the compassion that uh, that Joey had when it came to <laughs> when it came to singing a song. So obviously, Gloria and I were tied from an emotional perspective because you know I grew up in country and gospel and black music, so. Uh, country was about as welcome in our home as any other kind of music, and uh, so that was that was very very important to us that we could be that close to some people that really felt like family, and and it did feel like family. And then when people would come in, uh, I was blown away with her sister who was a nurse, uh, Jody. Jody was just there pretty much day and night, wasn't she? Yeah, she went. Uh, she actually left her job, and for about four months, almost five months, she just took a leave of absence from her work, and she just stayed with us the whole time. She actually slept in the room there with Joey on a separate bed, so that she could be with her, you know, all hours of the night in case Joey needed anything. Jody just came down this weekend here to uh, to Nashville and spent the weekend with us with her husband and son and and it was wonderful to have her here she hadn't been here in a while and and it's you know it's hard for them sometimes to come here and and be here and Joey not be here we went to our little family restaurant and it's a little it's a little tough to walk in and not see Joey waiting tables yeah bittersweet yeah bittersweet yeah but it was good I think it's healing at the end of the day I think you're right I think you're right. I'll never forget the mornings that you know, I, I didn't come in every morning, but you know, like every sometimes every other day, and I made sure I didn't stay very long. I I've always gone under the philosophy of Benjamin Franklin when he said, "Fish and visitors smell in three days," and so <laughs> so I would make sure I didn't stay very long. But there was a piano in the breezeway leading into. Joey's room, and uh, before I would announce who I was, I would go to the piano and go play notes like, have I 
I mean, this would be just the music, but have I told you lately that I love you? Then I stop and I hear her voice in the other room. Could I tell you once again somehow? <laughs> or I would do, it is well. She'd go, with my soul. It, it was just a s- sweet little thing that we had going. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful memory. It just, it's just a yeah. wonderful memory. It it was very very special for sure, and uh, I have you know I videoed a lot of that. I I'm I'm a capturer of life as you know, and yeah. I would uh, whether it was my phone or a camera or something. I knew that for some reason I knew that these moments didn't just matter then; they were going to matter always. And um, those are great memories, and I'm glad sometimes I go back and watch them, listen to them, because they were great. It somehow in the midst of all of that uh, pain and heartbreak, that there could be so much joy and so much gratitude. And that's still amazing. It's amazing to me how, how uh, an incredible outlook Joey had even through it all. And you were helpful because you kept coming over and you would just come over and be filled with joy and, and share with us and talk with us. You didn't need anything in particular. You weren't, you weren't asking for anything. You would just come over and share a story or say hello or look outside at the black swans. But that meant a lot to her and to all of us. She still also enjoyed a good joke or good story. It was, uh, and if I could make her laugh uh, before I left... Because her mother was in my class, her dad's in my class, and they it, you used the word character before. Anybody who knows me knows I love to have a uh, you know have have a good time, and, and she was beautiful in that. She would just you know smile. She always also had some strong opinions about how we were handling that little. It's, the creek house is on about 15, 16, 17 acres with some wildlife out there. And um, she would always have some opinions as to what we could do for the predators that were coming after the swan from time to time and uh, and how we, we were handling the baby, uh, you know, the baby swan. Let's see, she was there from probably December the 1st, so what? She passed away on March. Through March, March 4th, she passed away, yeah. Yeah. We were there for uh, more than three months, yeah, four months. Well, I know that's an extremely important chapter in your life, but it was also a very important chapter in, in our lives. You called the other day, a couple, three months ago, and said, hey, Bill, are you going to be in? I forget what it was. Uh, would the Creek House be available for a couple hours? And uh, he said, sure, sure. And uh, because nobody lives there except when we have a visitor coming in. And uh, I went over, and you were there at the table where we'd met many times in the little common room there between the kitchen uh, and the living room and then the, in, in the bedroom. And uh, you were writing or doing something. Yeah, I, I came and spent some time. I actually brought Indiana home for uh, Halloween, and we were spending a couple of days there in Indiana uh, at Joey's mama's house. And so every time I come home, I try and come over, whether I call you or not. If I'm in town, I'm pretty much always 
over there at least for a little bit of time, whether I'm walking around the creek or um, come into the house. And it was it was wonderful. You know, I, it's it's an amazing thing for me to be able to look back on those things. And even though there is a lot of pain connected to them, it's mostly um, just gratitude and joy. And I'm so thankful for that time. And uh, it was really special to be there. It kind of centers me when you come back there because it's already been almost four years, if you can believe that. Um, in a couple of months, it'll be four years. Time goes by so fast. And in other ways, it feels like just, just the other day. And uh, it's, it's just nice, and especially when you show up like that. You came over and visited with me. We spent about an hour just talking, talking about life and talking about you know, this next decade of your life. You just seem like you're just getting started. Now you're doing podcasts. <laughs> Who knows what's going to be next? It was fun to talk. I didn't know what a podcast was, and they said, we want you to do a podcast. Said, what is that? I said, just talk to your friends. This podcast is being sponsored by the folks at Game Show Network. Game Show Network is dedicated to creating family-friendly, fun programming that's right for everyone. They've got great shows morning, noon, and night, and their afternoon block of original programs from 4 to 8 are the kinds of play-along, laugh-along shows that you can watch no matter who is in the room. Great to share with your kids or your grandkids. It's the kind of entertainment that will have everyone shouting their answers along with the television as they all watch the same screen. And these days, we know it's tough to get everyone to agree on well, just about anything. If you're looking for entertainment that the whole family can enjoy together, the answer is Game Show Network. I don't know how many times I've said this. I am so rich in friendship. I mean, uh, I've, I've done this for 50 years. And in all fairness, uh, some of my dear friends are already gone. But I, I, you know, I've got I've got a lot of younger younger friends, and that's very important. You know, when I was uh, when you were talking about the pain of all of this, Bob Benson, our good friend and publisher and writer, used to say, "Life is filled with sunshine and rain." And then he would pause in his southern little whiny voice and say, "And most of the time, we don't know the difference." You know, I would think, uh, I, I think about that a lot. Um, and my, my take on that is life is filled with sunshine and rain. And most of the time, they're, they're happening at the same time. Which means uh, right in the midst of some of your most special, precious, greatest high point moments, you can be experiencing some of the lowest moments. And I think most of my life, I thought that they followed each other. You know, life was good, then life was bad. Um, marriage was good, then marriage was hard. Family was good, then family was hard. <laughs> finances were good, then finances were bad. And it, it just, it's turned out that it's not really that way. They're usually at the exact same time. And that's, that's a real, <laughs> that's a real surprise for me because I, I just didn't know it worked that way. It was like it's raining and s the sun is shining at the same time. And 
it's probably why I say this quite often, even today, you know, waking up this morning, I didn't hardly get any sleep last night. We moved. This last couple days have been kind of strange. I, I've been missing and thinking about Joey and thinking about winters with Joey and thinking about the time when Indiana was born in 2014. And we, we had a, a fireplace or a wood-burning stove going here in the farmhouse every day. And that was, we were just kind of quiet and we had the baby and that's what life was. And we live mostly downstairs. We have a big old farmhouse, but we live there. Yeah, I've been there. And and all that time has passed and I've never lit a single fire at our house since then. Not one. We've never, not since, not in four years. And so a couple of days ago, I cleaned out the fireplace and moved the table out of the way and I lit a fire and put a couple of chairs right next to it and I could feel I could just feel her and I could feel that she would be smiling on this and that turned into me going upstairs and getting Indiana's little bed and moving it downstairs and for the first time since Joey was here we both moved downstairs uh, and our beds are in the same room. We're kind of simplifying. We just have a few clothes down there. And Joey would just be giggling. She would be so happy about that. But the idea of it uh, was a little overcome last night by uh, the truth of it, which was we're in the same room. She fell out of her bed a couple of times, and I couldn't sleep. And it was just really, really complicated. I didn't get much sleep. But it was pretty awesome. And so I was I was saying that to come all the way around to, I, I've been in this weird place and I've been there for a long time, which is, is in spite of everything, I mostly walk around pinching myself because I'm so lucky. And that's a very strange, almost embarrassing thing to say, you know, when your wife is buried in the backfield and and you've, you've had so many tragic things happen at the same time, good things have happened. I, I, on the only way I know to describe it is that somehow the gratitude uh, just has a way of overshadowing the grief. And, and it does. And maybe it's because we have a, a five-year-old. I don't know exactly, but uh, that little one sure keeps me hopping and her smile reminds me an awful lot of her mama's smile and her spirit reminds me of her mama's spirit. So I never really feel like I'm alone. I read a book one time from an editor of the Elle magazine in uh, France. He's a big time publisher, a lot of money from a material perspective. Pretty amazing. And he had this wreck and his big, high, uh, high-powered car, sports car, ended up as a quadriplegic. And, and when he came out from all of that, realizing what he had lost, you know, only had sight eye, one eye could hear and could not move his body and all. But he asked an interesting question, <laughs> which, which I have often said in, when I've, been asked for wisdom from a younger person who has experienced a loss, a loss of a maid, loss of job, loss of it. I always ask the question, what do you have left? Because this is what he asked. He said, okay, this is gone, this is gone, the use of my limbs are gone. What do I have left? 
And he did some uh, pretty amazing things with what he had left. And, uh, and I think when we honestly ask that question, you're very philosophical, that's the reason you're a writer. And, it, and you could say it a lot of different ways. It's a glass half full, half empty, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, uh, but I've admired you through all of this. I mean, you, you, you've kept your head up and you've gone on and you said this is not always fun every day, but I still have some responsibilities here. I have a, a little gal that it was a product of this union and, uh, and I, and I've seen you in the last four years. That's been your top priority and everything else kind of fits in. So I think we all, I think we all have to do that in life. Now, not everybody experiences the loss of somebody you love dearly halfway through your life. I don't, but, uh, we, they experience loss. Mm-hmm. And how we deal with that, yeah. how we deal with that the rest of our life is going to depend on the quality of life that we're going to have. Yeah. And you know, you know this as well as I do, and is that uh, we think, we think we go through these things alone, you know, because we, we do, you know, at the end of the day, I, I climb into a bed that used to, you know, have somebody next to me on the pillow next to mine. And, and I'm just there alone with my thoughts and the baby's asleep. And I'm wondering, am I doing a good job? And, and in some ways we do go through these things alone, but in another way, how you go through these things truly impact so many other people because the truth is, uh, my children are watching my older girls. They're watching how my wife handled um, such a difficult, difficult thing in front of her. And they're watching how I've handled and how I'm handling this. And the, the people, the other people around us, other family members and friends and people on the internet and people who care about you that you're never, ever, ever going to meet, your life is intersecting with them, even though you don't know that. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that even though you go through it alone, you don't really, you know, you, you really, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing. And I, I think one of my favorite parts of this has been that... I, I run into countless people. As a matter of fact, just in the last couple of weeks, different places I've been, I've had people come up to me and talk to me about how impactful Joey has been in their lives. Even now, people will discover our story, start reading. I was on the phone with someone yesterday who has a business next to our building, and she just she just heard about our story watched the documentary, read my book, all in about three or four days. And somehow it's, it's an encouragement to her. And, and that's a pretty special thing that God will take your tragedy and help somebody or take you know, the strength or the weakness or maybe both at the same time when you're being vulnerable and someone will be able to relate to it. Because this is not something that, you know, I'm not the only one. Lots of people go through this as you know, and you've been through a lot yourself. And in a way, I think it's really special to go through it together separately is really the best way to, to look at it. You know, we are a lot who we are 
because of people we hang with, people that we choose uh, to be around. And, you know, and on a given day, I've, I've come to, to the conclusion if I've done anything right, in fact, we wrote a song one time that basically is saying, on my very best day, you know what I am? I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, you know. Uh, when people would maybe blowing a lot of smoke my way and telling me how great I am and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've done some things right, and I've done some things I wish I had a chance to redo again. But but I got thinking back, and I kind of heard a little bit this this with what you were saying, and uh, I realized that people are watching me. And I think there are some times that I have done the right thing only because I belong to a community. And in this community, people are, are depending on a few people in their lives doing the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so if I've done anything good, I'd, I'd like to say it's because I'm just naturally good, but I'm not. Okay. Uh, uh, but on a given day, I did it because... Doggone it, there, there are quite a few people in my little circle who are depending <laughs> on me using some sense and simply <laughs> and simply doing the right thing. Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have a buddy. I sing this song quite often as I've started performing again. It's called, uh, his, his song is called, What You Gonna Do With That Broken Heart? He, his name's Tim Johnson. He passed away a few years before Joey did. But he left this song, and he left these words, and he left this thought that, that is really powerful to me. And I think about it a lot in these situations because I've learned, you know, I'm, like you, I'm a storyteller. I'm a songwriter, so I'm writing stories. A lot of times those stories will write themselves. You know, I'm just I'm just an instrument holding the pen and God's doing all the heavy lifting. But, you know, songs are, you know, people aren't going to pay attention if the song doesn't have uh, a journey that it goes on. Like there, there has to be some stakes involved. There has to be some things that happen. And I've kind of come to realize that all great stories have difficult things. I mean, if there's no difficulty, there's no chance of it being a great story. It's it's just, it's it's a non-story. Yeah. And so um, in Tim's song, he says, uh, are you going to have a good cry? Punch a hole in the wall? Are you going to drink the whiskey down till you can't stand up at all? Are you going to blame the woman or admit you played a part? What you going to do with that broken heart? <laughs> Are you going to find a stranger and have a one-night stand? Yeah. You're going to look inside yourself and be as honest as you can? These choices that you're making, they tell you who you are, what you're going to do with that broken heart. And, and that line right there in particular I think about a lot, which is who we are is not who we say we are. It's not who we think we are. It's also not, uh, you know, what we're trying to be or who someone else thinks we are. That's probably more of what our reputation is. But the best way to find out who you are is what's the what's the choice you make when things get difficult? <laughs> what is the next decision that you make right there? That's who you are. Yeah. And that's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
<laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> this stuff would preach. And <laughs> Yeah, it does preach. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, I I'm, I do a bit of church hopping, quite a bit. Um, I was at a Catholic church last week, a Baptist church the week before. But when I turn on a song like that and I listen, it preaches. Yeah. I mean, it, it says what I need to hear. What my, my, I don't have a grandfather telling me that. Yeah. I don't have a father. Yeah. I don't have a book telling me that, that in these moments, these moments are going to define who you are. And I need it, you know. And sometimes the song's the only preaching I get. Well, you're talking to one, and if Gloria were here, uh, it'd be a chorus of two amens, and <laughs> and that's how we spent our lives. I'll never forget. I I went to the uh, Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame at your invitation. I think about three or four years. Mm-hmm. Three or four years ago, I think it was after Joey had passed away. And uh, I normally do not like award shows uh, because there's just too much, too much (laughs) (laughs) stuff going on that it says. Because, you know, when people have said to me, well, how does it feel to get that Grammy or the Dove Award or any kind of award you go? I said, you know what? Writers do not write songs. To get awards, and uh, writers do not. Uh, I mean, a writer is like Larry Gatlin told a, a young lady the other day who said, "I'm going to quit. I've been writing, and nobody cares about it, and um, I'm not going to write anymore." And Larry, without even missing a beat, said, "Well, where are you going to turn in your heart?" <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Is that a great line? That's a great line. Writers write. Writers write. You know Emily Dickinson, this great poet, that's in our literature, literature books that I taught to your mother and father-in-law when they were students. She wrote volumes of poems. There were two or three published before she died. She just wrote because she had to write. So back to the songwriters' night, the award night. The reason I love that is compared to other award shows I went to, this was about ideas. Everybody who got an award would stand up and say, oh, thank you, I appreciate the award. But I can't believe I'm in the same room and then they'd name somebody (laughs) who wrote this song. They said, when I first heard this song, I said, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to try to write just half as good as that song is. And for the people who who are listening, you ought to spend a day with a bunch of songwriters. They don't care who gets like They just love a good song. I'll never forget when I heard the baptism of Jesse Taylor the first, the first time. In that last verse, it says, the folks in Franklin County could stand up and respect Jesse Taylor again because he'd been baptized and had his life changed. Said now Jimmy's got a daddy, Jesse's got a family, and Franklin County's got a lot more man. <laughs> you know, I went, wow. <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? And, and the songwriters would say, "Where was I when that song was floating around out there in the air? I could have written that." You ever feel that way? I do. Yeah, I, I think that's one of my favorite parts. Is I'm the same as you. I love looking around. There's always it doesn't. 
I don't really think about the things that I've done. I, I tend to point to the things that other people have done that I admire. And I, I'd like to do a little bit of that. I remember when I first moved to Nashville, I, I got a job writing songs for Harlan Howard. And uh, with that came, he was a real, probably the most famous country songwriter that Nashville has ever had. Yeah. But Harlan was an older man at the time, but one of my favorite parts of, of getting to write and work for him was I got to be around all of these legends because that's who his peers were. Yeah. Whether it was Chet Adkins or Bobby Bear, or just tons of people. And um, so I got to go write with Waylon Jennings one day and I went over to his house and uh, he, Jesse met me at the door, uh, Jesse. Jesse Coulter. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jesse Coulter met me at the door, and she made breakfast for Waylon and I. And I just, I, I thought maybe I just landed in some parallel universe. I couldn't really <laughs> believe where I was. Jesse Coulter's making me breakfast, and Waylon's talking to me. And uh, and we just, it was so wonderful. And we were, we were going to go in the next room, and so breakfast was over. And he said, "Well, come on, Hoss, let's go on in here." And I look in that room, and there's just Grammy Awards and letters from the president on the wall. And it actually had a glass case. He had Buddy Holly's motorcycle because he was good friends with Buddy. <laughs> and as we walk out of the kitchen, Jesse uh, taps me on the arm, and she said, would you try and re- write something that might get recorded for someone with him rather than letting him write another song about what a bad boy he thinks he is. <laughs> and I thought that was so fun because it, they just had a normal, normal, regular marriage like everybody else. And we went in the other room, we sat down, and Waylon had a boom box that was duct taped to the table back in the back portion of the living room there. And you could tell this is everything else is real pretty, except for this area that Jesse's probably said, this is your area, Waylon. <laughs> Sit back here. This is where you can be. And so he had a bunch of cassette tapes strewn everywhere. And he had me sit down on an ottoman. And he just reached down and he picked up a cassette. He goes, I want to play something for you. And he didn't play me his song. He played a Vern Gosden song called Do You Believe Me Now on cassette tape. (laughs) And he just sat and he watched me. And I'd heard that song a hundred times, but he didn't know if I'd heard it. And when it got over, he just looked at me and said, now that's a song. (laughs) And he proceeded to play me song after song after song, and none of them were his. He just wanted me to hear what what he thought were wonderful songs. And I, I love that. Because I, I still feel a lot like Waylon. Yeah, I've done some good stuff, but yeah. let me play you this one. Let me tell you about this one. <laughs> you know what? That's exactly where I am. I'll never forget Ben Spear during the 90s when we were doing all of those videos. said, why don't you push more of your songs, Bill? And I said, you know what? I'm going to push the songs that work for the story that we're trying to tell in this video. And if I got, got one... Yeah. You know, that'll be fine. And, you know, and to me, a good song is a good song. I don't care where it came from. It will turn my head every time. It will, in, in fact, one of the current songs that we're, we were singing, I, we did, I, I didn't write. Zach Williams wrote it. Because if you got pain, he's a pain taker. You know, if you're lost, he's a way maker. You know, if, if you need freedom, you know, he's a prison-shaken savior. If you've got chains, mm. he's a chain breaker. You know, I don't care where wow. the, those songs come from. It's just powerful. 
And people... Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, and people need to hear it. Roy, I could talk to you for two or three hours, but they're telling me we better land this plane somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to do it? Well, we'll do it again. I know we will. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah. My friend, I love you, and let's stay real close, okay? I love you too, Bill. Thank you for being so good to me and my family and my bride. And please uh, tell Gloria thank you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you again sometime soon. We'll do it. We'll do it again. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of More Than the Music. For details on the Gaither Vocal Band tour dates, the latest Gaither music releases, and much more, visit us online at gaither.com. This is Bill Gaither signing off until the next edition of More Than the Music. Music.